0: Hello, and welcome to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast. My name is Dave Ahrens, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Unbundled Attorney. In this podcast, we interview many of our provider attorneys, as well as some of the leading experts in the industry to isolate the best practices for building internet-generated leads and how to ethically and effectively offer unbundled legal services and other more affordable options in your practice. For more information about our services, visit www.unbundledattorney.com. All right, I really can't can't wait for everyone to hear this episode. Today we interviewed one of our provider attorneys, Ms. Zoe Garvin, who is basically fresh out of law school. I mean, she's had her solo practice started about 3 months ago. She had some experience working as a paralegal and, you know, in the family law arena prior to her graduating, but you know, she's she's a new solo, and that's not easy to do in today's marketplace. There's a lot of competition, and it's a scary proposition to go out on your own you know, shortly after you've graduated. And so, you know, she has combined with the efforts of our bringing her lead, she talks about what it's like to be a, a new solo and some of the resources she's had to tap into to get comfortable, the mentors she's had to access, webinars, podcasts. And, you know, there's a lot of resources out there now that make this a lot more feasible to do. And then on the side of her fielding the leads, I mean, she's been working with us for, at this stage, only about three weeks But it's been incredible to see the results that she's been able to produce literally in this short period of time, right off the bat, and also how she's utilizing virtual offices to be able to have a local office in regions that are you know quite far from her. her office is in San Francisco. She's now serving Alameda County and Contra Costa, which you know can be up to two hours away and, and she's been able to use virtual offices to be able to meet with clients there without having to have a huge expense and has also developed a system to be enrolling Uh, a large percentage of her clients right over the phone from the initial lead call. And we get specifically into the process that she's developed in order to do that. So this is a really helpful episode. There's a lot of great ideas in here, a lot of great strategies you can take away from this and can't wait to hear your feedback. So with that, let's get right into it. This interview with Zoe Garvin, one of our provider attorneys out of San Francisco, California. Hey Zoe, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you.
0: Yeah, really happy to have you on and welcome to the team. I know you're you know, a new addition to the unbundled attorney family, but uh, couldn't be happier to have you on board. And uh, from what I've been hearing, you've had uh, a stellar start so far.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been great. It's been much busier than I expected, and it's been going great.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're really happy to happy to hear how things how well things have been going. And so maybe a, a good place to start is just to share a little bit about your background. Uh, I know you're somewhat new to the practice of law, so maybe you can talk a little bit about where you went to school and how you've got your start so far.
1: So I am very new to the practice of law. I went to Golden Gate Law School in San Francisco, and I graduated about a year ago, and I started practicing in June, so about two months, almost three months ago. So I'm very new, and I... Started my practicing as a solo family law attorney right away. I had a lot of family law experience before being, getting my license, so I was very familiar with that practice area. And um, but uh, you know, June is when I started practicing as an attorney. So I've been practicing solo since then, and was just getting started when I found out about unbundled attorney and started working with you guys. So. It's been, so I kind of started way at the very beginning of my practice.
0: Yeah, can you talk about, you know, as someone that's just coming out of law school and looking at the legal marketplace and the job market and and the potential, the opportunities of going solo, mm-hmm. how, what was it for you that led you to make a decision to go solo and what is it like coming out of law school in 2016? Uh with the internet, the way it is and the market the way it is you know how do you how did you come to the determination that you won you personally wanted to just go you know almost straight into being a solo practice uh you know six to eight months after you you graduated sure,
1: sure. so i um I guess the big the, the thing that made it the most appealing to me was that I realized that I could d- I felt very really comfortable with family law because I had done, um, work as a paralegal, as a law clerk. I, before law school, I had done work, worked with family law firms. So that was a big thing that I felt like I could, I, I felt confident enough to try as a family law attorney because I was familiar with that practice area. And then also I realized that I could probably make more money practicing independently than it than I would if I was working at a firm as a new attorney getting a salary um in the first year to three years out of law school so that's that made it appealing to me and then I also had I have a back like a consulting background so I was familiar with working by myself and kind of running a small independent consulting business so I think all of those things together made me because it drove me to do it right off the bat. I also had been um, planning on working at a, a family law firm that I'd work with in, with in law school, and because of um, like financial constraints, there they had sort of a hiring freeze around the time that I was going to start getting come on full time. So that was like kind of the, the last. The, the final thing that really made me decide that I should just start rather than waiting and keep looking for a regular full time job.
0: Well, sounds like it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and maybe can you talk a little bit about the solo coming out of law school? Does it? I'm sure you know some other students that are, that can't graduate maybe the same year and stuff. Do you see more attorneys going solo or more getting jobs? And has it been difficult for a lot of solos to to land employment and what, what, what's the market placement look like and what do you see you know your fellow students uh, falling into and and the direction they're having to go in in today's market
1: sure so i I guess I would say that um, I don't know a whole lot of people that graduated at the same time as me that went solo there's a few and and most of them planned on doing that in law school and had a, a practice area that they knew they wanted to go into um, a lot of people that I went to school with are doing either Something like a practice area that they didn't really plan on, or that they may not be totally interested in, but it was where they could find a job. And then others have gone into other types of—they're of, they're not actually practicing because they haven't found a job yet. So they're doing maybe like a related type, position, but not as a practicing attorney. So it's—I I mean, I, I think this is definitely a big. Issue for people coming out of law school is, is to be able to practice immediately because you find a job line that lines up with when you are ready to start working is difficult.
0: Yeah, and I'm and I assume, and I would assume, you know, coming out of law school and starting a, a new solo practice must be, you know, pretty intimidating on some level.
1: Yeah, that- no, it is, and it still kind of is. I mean, I felt a little bit more confident because I felt comfortable working by myself and and. That sort of thing, but I, it was still very intimidating and still is. It's scary to know that everything is, whatever happens, it's all up to you to deal with and to, you know, whether it's like a business issue or like a, a legal issue, like a legal question that you're, you don't know the answer to. It's different than when you're working with a firm and you have some people that you can ask. So it's been, I think it's been important for me to, like, utilize mentors and other people in the profession so that I still have support, but even though I'm practicing, um, solo.
0: And have there been some resources, mentors, podcasts or anything specific that has helped you with that transition to make sure, I mean, we'll get into obviously the, the leads we've been sending you and so forth, how that's helped mm-hmm. to grow your business. And, but you know, outside of this, have there been some resources? I know that Legal Talk Network has, you know, a new solo podcast. I don't know if you've listened much to that, but have there mm-hmm. been specific resources that you found have been really helpful for you to make this transition on your own?
1: Yeah, I have um, a couple mentors that I, I, from family law firm that I worked with in law school and, and where I was planning on working when I was planning on going as a full-time attorney with a firm so that's been very helpful, especially with just checking in with someone on a legal question that you're not totally sure of, or getting um, you know someone else's advice on how to approach a certain issue. So that's been great, and I think really important if you're going solo, especially right early in your career. And then um, in terms of other resources, I've I have utilized. I've listened to a lot of webinars that are um, uh, like from the State bar, some of them are things that give you MCLE credit, but they're just, I didn't do it because of that. I did it because it was like covering a topic that I really wanted to know about, like trust account management and like technical things that you just don't know automatically, even if you studied some of it for the bar exam. But getting into like the nitty gritty details of firm management. So those, those webinars and podcasts kind of thing have been great. And then, um, The San Francisco Bar Association has a lot of, has like a a solo attorney um, section that I joined and there's resources that I get through there and those have been helpful.
0: Are there any specific podcasts or webinars off the top of your head that you found particularly helpful?
1: The ones that I, I, I don't know the exact name off the top of my head, but the trust account management webinars on the State Bar website that just come up under the online continuing education section of our website, I listened to probably like three or four, like as many as I could find on that topic so that I fully understood how to set up my bank accounts and that kind of thing and how to handle billing. Those, those are very helpful, all of them.
0: Right. Yeah, and there's also you know technologies like pay and so forth that kind of right. handle that aspect as well, and make it easier. Have you been using you know a payment processor like that mm-hmm. yet?
1: Yeah, I, I use LawPay, and I found out about it because I um, started. I got a practice management uh, software called Zola Suite, and they were integrated with LawPay, and so that's how I found out about it. I mean, I was I was planning on just doing a using a credit card um, processing company like through the bank that I was using, but then started getting concerned about how the fees would be handled with the trust account and that kind of thing. And, and so um, it worked out that I, I realized that I could use law pay instead and avoid some of those issues.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm sure they'll be happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> and it, and we've, we've gotten some great feedback from some other attorneys as well that that's made that really easy because they handle that within their platform. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's let's dive into how things have been going. Uh, so I think we've been working together for maybe a, just a little over two weeks. I mean, maybe coming up on our third week here. So it's been an early start. So it was really, it, you know, it, it was a, we wanted to get you on at this stage just to get a little bit different perspective on, you know, an attorney that's, you know, I wouldn't say fresh out of law school, but, you know, as a new practicing attorney, mm-hmm. you know, and also just getting started with lead generation, how that's been for you. So can you share maybe just a little bit about how these first couple of weeks have gone, and uh, you know, maybe just from a contextual standpoint, and then when we can dive into the aspects of this process that have been uh, helpful, and, and maybe how what's been working and what hasn't been working.
1: Sure, yeah. So it has been the last two weeks have been great. I went from having you know when I first started, I had just started my practice like a, about a month before, and so I had about two clients and was really in the early stages of, of setting everything up. And so, and then now two weeks in, I, it's increased dramatically. I have, you know, 10 clients and I'm getting leads every day and, um, you know, it's it's like tripled and increased four times. So in a very short period of time, so it's been very busy and very exciting, but I, it's kind of, it's, it's actually the great thing about it is that it's helped me put a lot of things, systems and, and things into place within my practice that probably would have taken a while to build in because I wouldn't have needed them uh, immediately. So it's kind of um, like forced me to, to think about stuff that, that is really helping me to manage my practice and to, um, scale up sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, exactly. Systems are really important, especially when you're, you know, fielding internet-generated leads and so forth. You have to really think from a systemized standpoint how to reach mm-hmm. people in, r- in real time and so forth. Can you talk about the the onboarding process, or at least the the things that we've shared with you that you found to be especially helpful in the early stages of learning how to be effective? At fielding mm-hmm. leads and and getting them uh, get them started working with your firm.
1: Sure, yeah. So I think the the thing there's a couple of things that stand out that were really helpful in the beginning. One was um, spending a lot of time on the phone before even getting leads, just like to go through the process of how it works, um, like the logistics of it, and and then going over stuff like a call script and and getting a, a kind of a template for responding to emails and texts immediately, having all those things made it much easier for me to actually respond to leads immediately from day one, rather than having like a learning curve to, before I could get build up speed with doing it, because I had templates and a script and everything. Um, even if I not every call required following a script directly um completely, it still made me feel like I could start immediately without really thinking about it and just respond to people you know so that was very helpful and then um listening to the podcast was some of the podcasts was also helpful because it uh, just in terms of figuring out like how much. How to structure the services, the repr- like the unbundled services, and and the the range in terms of fees, and how to figure out um, what things should cost. That that was helpful. Listening to the podcast was helpful for, for that.
0: Great, yeah, it's something we've worked really, really hard on. Is so that you know, especially attorneys like yourself that haven't fielded internet generated leads before, have you know template re- email responses, template you know text responses. Uh, know exactly, you know, the importance of calling and fielding leads in real time, understanding the strategy as far as the different ways in which you can structure the unbundled and for representation Mm -hmm. options. And so I'm really glad to hear that that's uh, that you found that to be really helpful so that you could feel comfortable, you know, from day one and lead one feeling like you had a really good strategy to be able to approach it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So maybe we can talk a little bit about um, what that strategy has looked like for you Maybe we can start from, how are you currently receiving the leads? Are you getting it via email notification? Are you getting the text? Uh, what's what's kind of step one there?
1: Yeah, so I, I'm getting the text, and then um, I, so I barely even look at the emails that I get because I get the text, and I start responding and working on it just from that point, and that's been great because I can respond much
0: quicker since
1: I always, I don't check my email constantly, but Tax you get right there, right, instantly. So that's been great.
0: So when the lead comes in, what's the first thing that you're you're doing in order to reach the client uh, and get them uh, initially on the phone?
1: Yeah. So so if it is during the day, like if it's between, it depends on the time of, uh, that the lead comes in. So if it is like between 8 a.m. and um, 8 p.m., then I will call them immediately. And and if they don't answer. Then I'll send a text and an email, and if it's before or after those times, then I'll text them and email them immediately and say, just kind of like modify the the template that I've been using a little to say, um, rather than I just called you, even you know, some, but so rather than it being because they missed the call, it starts with, I received your your request for legal services and I will be in touch tomorrow or. You know, later today or something. in the meantime, if you, you want to um contact me, you can text me or email me and let me know that's time to reach you. So kind of, so it depends on what time of day it is. but either way, i I do some combination of text and email and then a phone call
0: right. You know, in that way, at least the clients know that you're there. you're available right. to assist them because the current clients that need to hire a fan mail lawyer. A lot of them have time sensitive issues. If they don't have someone that's responding to them right away, they're going to hire someone and it may not be you, you know?
1: Right, right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, letting them know that you're there, you're ready to assist them. And even if you're in the middle, you know, you're in the middle of something else, just a quick text saying, Hey, we got your request. We'll be in touch with you shortly. can really make a big difference. And then obviously you're combining calling, emailing and text, you know, from what I've heard, you've had a really good contact ratio. And that's critical when you're fielding internet leads to make sure that you know, you're reaching out on those three different platforms to be able to get, you know, eight, nine, 10 the leads uh, on the phone. And it sounds like you've been able to accomplish that. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, most, uh, the texting is really effective. I get a lot of response to the text, but I, I definitely think that the combination of all three makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's, so now let's suppose we get them on the phone and, and from what I've heard, and seen from the results, it's been going you know really well from, from that point forward as far as clients electing to retain your service. Maybe you can share just a bit about how many leads you've received since you've gotten started with us, how many of those have elected to retain you, and if you have a general idea of what that's turned into, but just to give a little sure. context on how well that's gone so far, and then we can start to dive into the strategy that's made that possible.
1: Sure, sure. So I have, I would say that I've received about Thirty leads that are that are good leads that I am actively either um, working on securing or I've been retained by them. So there's about thirty active leads, and I and that's for two counties. The second county I just started doing within the last week, and I have I would say about sixty percent of those I've actually signed and the Remaining forty percent, I'm either in conversation with and, and in the process of, of working out a retainer, some sort of arrangement, some representation arrangement, or I'm I actually have a meeting scheduled within the next week to sign a retainer agreement and, and collect a retainer. And there's all, I would wow. say there's probably only about. Five people, a very small number of people of of those 30 leads that have just kind of dropped off. I haven't heard from them at all, or weren't interested. From I could tell from the beginning, they they weren't interested for whatever reason. Um, But the rest are all, you know, signed or kind of almost there.
0: Wow. So out of maybe the 30 leads, 60 percent. That means you probably have about 16, 17, or 18 of the leads that have. Hired you already?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. A couple of and and the thing, what's great about the unbundled services is that you can. I, for me, I feel like I the volume of clients that I can have is, is much larger because you're not doing something for all of them all the time. So of those, you know, 15 16 some of them are were just short term things where I it was, it was a flat fee and I've finished. They've hired me and I've finished, even though it's only been two weeks since. Since I started. So, um, but yes, it's, it's, I'm working with about 16
0: or 17 of those. Wow. I mean, can you talk about the spread as far as whether they've been hiring you for a presentation, mm-hmm. how many of those maybe are unbundled? And then maybe we can start to talk about, you know, what happens on the initial call and the types of options you've been offering and how they make those determinations. But what's been the spread as far as the amount, what people have been hiring you for of those 16 or 17 mm-hmm. so far?
1: Of those, 16 or 17, only one is has hired me just, uh, for full representation from the beginning. The rest are all unbundled services um, and it kind of ranges from like very low level, like just coaching and very much behind the scenes, like with a smaller retainer up to limited scope where I'm actually helping them prepare documents and appearing for them at a specific hearing.
0: Right. And that's uh, and that's a really great insight into you know, those very different numbers than many other lawyers, you know, where you only have one of them going to full representation. The rest of them of the 16 or 15 are all starting on an unbundled basis. You're having handling very specific tasks. Right. Can you, can you share maybe your perspective on why so many of the folks have been electing to start with you on an unbundled basis and work with you on that. What's been the the, re, the reason you feel that's been more comfortable for those folks or has been the the direction that so many mm-hmm. of them have been heading?
1: Yeah, so I think um, the biggest reason I think is that a lot of the, the leads that I get are people who have very few of them are people that are planning on filing for divorce or something or are going to have a case in the future. Most of them are people that have an existing case. They have um, they have already started the process. They're either kind of midway through or toward the end of their case, and they have an immediate, a very specific issue, an immediate need for service, and that's why they are contacting me. So they want to just, even if they express an interest in full representation, and a lot of them have, some of them even said, I definitely want to hire you, you know, for for more or to be my regular attorney. But just for now, I just want to do this. Let's take care of this thing. So I think it's a big reason is that they just want to feel like this issue is going to get resolved. An attorney before they started their divorce with an attorney and for whatever reason, whether it's financial reasons or something else, like they're not working with them anymore and they have this attitude about wanting to not maybe they feel like they didn't get as far as they thought they would with their previous attorney, or they've spent so much money because it's just expensive to pay an attorney in a divorce. And so they just want to take a break from having an attorney where they're paying someone $2,500 retainer and then replenishing $2,500 again and again. They just want to take a break from that. feel so like they're resolving their problem that they, that's the biggest issue for them in that moment. So I think that's, that, that is my impression with Clients from all different income brackets. That's the common theme that they just uh, want to first get this one thing done, and then they want to look at the bigger issues and see what we what we can do from
0: there. Right. Exactly, and, and it really just gives them something that they they know is a, a specific rate. It's right. this is this task is going to get done. There isn't any question about you know if they're going to get billed hourly from there. It's really just easy for them to feel comfortable with getting you started with you because they know exactly what it what it's going to cost, what the ter- services are being done and and then they have the choice from there whether they want to continue working with you or not. Right. So it just seems like for them it's it's very low risk and given that, you know, this is a lead generation, it's more of a cold market where they don't know you very well, it's a great way for them to get a chance to experience the way you work and get comfortable with you and then transition if they want to more service from there.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And can you can you share a little bit more about? I mean, these are these are you've obviously been doing. I mean, amazing. Well, there's an incredible number amount of people bringing you on for for the amount of leads you've received. Uh, and so we're gonna get you know dive into your process as far as what that consultation looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can you talk a little bit more just just about? The various types of options you've offered and example price points to give an mm-hmm. idea of what that's looked like. And then mm-hmm. we can kind of dive into how it is that you have shared that with the client on the actual call to have them, you know, uh, enroll in those services. So you mentioned that you do some coaching where you kind of walk them through certain steps for uh hour. Maybe you could talk about that's hour by hour. And then sure. you've got or the document preparation, and then you've got more of the limited scope where you're doing the documents, making an appearance, and so forth. Can you can you, you know, maybe expand a little bit more on what those options have sure. looked like and an idea of how that's been built and so forth?
1: Yeah. The way that I explain it to, to prospective clients over the phone is that I, basically I, I explain that there's two types of representation I can do. There's full representation, which is the traditional arrangement where it's going to be a retainer of you know, approximately twenty five hundred dollars, and then it's replenished when that gets spent, or there's unbundled services, and that's where I break down the three levels of of unbundled services that I that I provide, and it starts at the lowest level is around five hundred dollars, and that is for Coaching, um, I give them a sense. I, I, I try to. Most clients want to know, like, well, how much coaching, or how many hours does that $500 get me? And so I base it on my hourly rate, um, which is $200 an hour. And so $500 is about two and a half hours of coaching and explaining. I, the, you know, walking them, helping them navigate the process whatever if it's a divorce helping them figure out how to file or what to do next and then directing them to the forms they need to fill out um giving them if, if we don't spend a lot of time with the coaching over the phone then then i can look at the forms that they fill out and give them suggestions that sort of thing so that's kind of the 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 lowest like the, the least expensive option and then the mid range is is um i usually say that it's about 750 to a thousand, and that can be um, some combination of coaching over the phone uh, or in person. But it's usually usually people want it over the phone. The um, coaching and working behind the scenes with them to navigate the process, but a little bit more involved than the $500 level. So I'm um, I could prepare documents for them, but they're filing them. You know, they're self represented and they're filing everything themselves, but I prepare them. Or it could be, it's kind of up to them how how they want to spend the time that, that I have. So some people want to have it very focused on just prepare all the documents for me and then I'll take it from there. Some people just want to talk on the phone regularly to, so that I'm walking them through each step of the way. And then... The third level, kind of the the highest level of the unbundled services, service option is limited scope where it kind of encompasses the two, um, the, the first and, and middle level of unbundled and then inc- includes appearing in court as well for a specific hearing or on a specific issue. And that is, um, a thousand to fifteen hundred. And it depends on how much time they want me to spend. kind of determines whether it's low on the low end or the higher end of that. I present four options. Three of them are unbundled.
0: Right. And it really gives them, I mean, just a lot of different options to choose from that no matter where they're at financially or where they're at in mm-hmm. their case. I mean, they really have something that can fit into, you know, their budget. And right. you know, like you said before, some people want, probably want to go more of the full shebang and have you representing them down the road. But, you know, as a starting point, this is a great way for them to you know, have something that's in their budget, know they have a specific amount of time, and then you're going to walk them through things that might be confusing. And, and I think a lot of clients with the proper guidance, do you feel like many of them have been able to get through the process when they have an, yourself kind of guiding through it and preparing things? And, and has that really helped them with navigating the the process?
1: Yeah, I am finding that it's been hard to get people to cover what people want at the $500 level so far. I mean, I'm still, I'm still new. So I don't have, it's not a huge sample that I'm, I'm basing that on. But so far the $500, um, you know, a couple of clients I've actually billed for that, you know, finished the the time that they bought so far and they're wanting to continue. So they're replenishing with another $500. So I think that depending, it obviously depends on the issue that they're having, how much time they really need, but it can be, I think it's hard to do, to cover it in that amount of time unless the person, it's a very narrow issue and they are kind of familiar with what to do already. But um, that mid-range and the, and then the limited scope level, that, the, that seems to be working really well for people. and. Um, if they're already comfortable doing go you know retaining me in that way without having someone be you know without full representation, then they are they kind of most of them kind of understand that they are gonna be handling aspects of the case themselves and they're not surprised that you know when that actually ends up being what happens um, The other thing is that I try when i'm when I'm explaining the options to people, I try to. I either have people who are like know for sure that they want limited scope because they want to do as little as possible within the unbundled option or they know for sure they want to spend as little as possible so they immediately go with the lowest option. And I try to um, explain to them if it's something that I know is going to require more time even though they don't want to retain me for more yet. I try to like map out for them what the other things are going to be um, that need to be done are so that they can be like making an informed decision. Like I'm, I'm, I know that I'm retaining you to just do this small amount of work. And I realize that whether it's you or someone else that I hire, that I have this whole other list of things that's for me to be done so that there's no surprises.
0: Yeah. Well, even if that's the case, you know, if they start out with the 500, like you said, then when they want more time, they can replenish exactly. and keep, right. keep working with you. I mean, exactly. it's kind of like a, like a pay as you go one step exactly. at a time and right. and as they need more they can kind of just you know, redeposit and keep going.
1: Right. And explaining it like that it seems like people feel just more, they don't, they feel less pressure it doesn't, I've even had people say it feels like uh, they don't feel as much like I'm just trying to get them to pay me as much as I can. I, you know, as, as, as much as they're able to pay. Like it feels more like they're driving the process.
0: Okay, great. And then another thing that I've heard from from our team is that, you know, a lot of these clients have actually been retaining you over the phone and haven't actually had to come in the office. Can you share, you know, of these, you know, 15, 16, 17 clients, how many of them did you meet with in order for them to retain you and how many of them just retained you over the phone without an in-person meeting?
1: Yeah, so I have met with, I would say about half and half, maybe 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 a little, maybe 60% of them have retained me just over the phone and the rest I've met with in person. In the beginning, I didn't, a few clients just ended up, they asked to do that and that's why it happened, but it didn't really um, occur to me to, to try to present that as just an option right from the beginning because I assumed that people would want to meet in person, but that's not really true. I mean, a lot of, people have been relieved to hear that that's an option because they don't have time to meet in person. They'd rather not meet in person. So um, it's definitely something that people are interested in and it makes it a lot easier for me as well because some of these people live really far away from where I am and it it just makes things more efficient to meet on on the phone.
0: Absolutely. And certainly, you know, with the traffic, I know that they have you have in the Bay Area that's (laughs) – that's exactly. got to be a plus as well that you don't have to be driving back and forth, and neither do they.
1: Right, exactly, and that's. I, I recently started doing a second county, Contra Costa County, which is a very lar- large area in the Bay Area, and and so that's becoming even more true because within that county, you have people that may live an hour from where you are, or two hours from where for what from where I am, and so for those clients, I would say like about. Eighty percent of the clients that I've signed that are from that county have have um, retained me just over the phone.
0: Right, and what we're gonna we're gonna kind of dive into you know how you the, the actual call and kind of how, how that's gone for you, how long you spent with them, and so forth. But you know, as as a new practice, I believe your office in San Francisco, and then these are you know counties that can be an hour or two away. For mm-hmm. those that have met with you, can you talk about how you've been able to line up you know office space and a place to meet with these folks? In these counties, and how you've been able to manage that without taking on too much overhead, um, mm-hmm. and you know, still making sure that you have you know a suitable work environment, office environment to meet with those clients in those specific counties, and also make that worth your time, you know, either right. by matching or how how have, how have you been able to overcome that that challenge?
1: Yeah, so I've I've tried to schedule people back to back on certain days, and now and so now two weeks into it i've kind of um decided that i'm going to just know i'm going to just have about two days a week that where i where i schedule consultations that are in person um because that's been about the number of days that i've been that i've needed in the last two weeks to do it and so i try to get everyone on those two days and um i've been using an office in the east bay in oakland that i rent by the by the hour and it's kind of like a a, it's a building with lots of offices that people either rent monthly or hourly but it's all like startup companies and um people that run solo practices not necessarily law practices all different kinds of businesses and it's very easy because the booking process is easy i can do it in advance or last minute and it's a professional um environment it's very you know it feels just like a regular office building and then i have an address to give people this particular one that i've been using actually you can use as a virtual out- address as well um so you can make it your actual business address um and then i i book them kind of like an hour at a time half an hour apart and uh yeah, I mean, I think that's been working well because then if one one person doesn't show up, which has happened a few times, then it's not like you've wasted the trip going over there and, and paying for the space and that kind of thing. And this particular one that I found is inexpensive, and so even if the person doesn't show up, it's not a huge loss, and it usually makes up for it because someone else does show up and then they sign and it's worth your money that you paid.
0: Yeah, and, and the concept of these virtual offices—it uh, sounds like it's either a virtual office kind of set up where you kind of pay hour by hour, or you know, there's even co-working spaces, co-working offices, depending on the way they're set up—is really interesting. And I'm not, you know, and it's still somewhat of a new concept where you can where you don't have to pay, you know, a monthly, you know, get into a lease or a monthly, you know, office bill just to open up into a new region. Right? Um, can you share a little bit about how that's worked and uh, and if there's any any specific companies you've worked with or just generally speaking how that's how that's helped your practice to to be able yeah. to expand into these regions that you know maybe would have been unrealistic if you had to purchase and lease an office yourself in each of these counties which probably wouldn't have been feasible
1: yeah definitely so i um i so i am based in San francisco and so before i started doing this i was not planning on going after clients in the east bay primarily but because of my leads are all coming from um, counties in the East Bay, uh, 95% of my clients now are from there. And the reason that, the biggest reason that they're comfortable hiring me I think is because I have an office in the East Bay and I can tell them that right off the bat. Um, I, even even if they don't want to meet in person, still just knowing that I have an office over there makes it seems to make a difference. I've been the place that I'm using now is um, like a uh, co-working kind of environment, and I actually don't remember the actual name of the company. It's but it's like set up like a Craigslist sort of or like an Airbnb where you know you choose a bunch from a bunch of different places in the zip code that you're looking for, and then um, you can do hourly, daily rent or, or monthly. I'm also looking for something in the county that I just started um, handling, the second county, because I'm finding that clients are kind of less comfortable moving forward with me because I am based in San Francisco and have an office in a county that's, you know, kind of one county over from where they are if they feel like it's too far away. So I think that that, what that really shows is that it, it makes a huge difference to be able to have these, like, um kind of remote offices where you know you're able to come to them without but still have like a designated place where you're gonna meet rather than just having it up in the air.
0: Right. And even though you're only paying for an hour at a time, maybe you can share just you know how much that costs in a second here, but mm-hmm. you know, pay me an hour here, hour there, you know, it's still you can still share with the clients. You know, I have an office in right. that region. You know, you know, to rent an office might cost a thousand, fifteen hundred, even two thousand dollars a month. How much does it cost for you to be able to reserve a couple hours or maybe four hours a week at one of these virtual offices mm-hmm. to be able to actually have an established office and be able to share that with your clients and say, oh, no, we actually have an office in that right. county?
1: Yeah. So this office that I'm using, which is in Oakland, is $25 an hour. And they have, it's a conference room that sits up to six people and they have wireless. They you can use, they have a printer and that kind of thing if you want to. I haven't used that, but... And then you can pay more if you want to actually have, like, a mailing address there and that sort of thing. The other thing is if you're – you can – this particular place has, like, a membership option where you they'll give you access to the building, like, a, a key card so that you can – you don't have to wait for it to open in the morning. You can come in before it opens, and you can uh, – it's more flexible. So it's really easy to, to manage and really affordable at $25 an hour.
0: Yeah, and you know, you're also only paying for the amount of time that you're actually exactly. meeting with clients potentially. Right. So not only is it only twenty five bucks, but you know, pretty much, but except for the no shows, it might come here and there uh, that you know you're only spending time when you're actually meeting with an attorney. So it's just like a a small cost out of the, exactly. the amount that they're paying you to, to yeah. hire you.
1: Right, and if it, and if people don't show up, then I can I can use the time to actually get something done. I mean, because it's a quiet work environment, so it's it's great.
0: Wow, that's that's awesome. Okay, so let's you know let's dive into that call because you've obviously got a lot of people retaining you. They're doing it right over the phone, and so can you maybe do broad, like kind of a broad art strategy. And once you get them on the phone, what what you've been doing uh, to take them through that process? How long have you been spending on the call? What's been your goal with that initial call? And then we can talk maybe you know the next question being more around how you break down the unbundled, how you explain that, and we could do a bit of a role play b- before we wrap things up.
1: Sure. So I am spending about, I would say that I'm spending about 45 minutes to an hour with people on the phone, usually most people. And in the beginning, I was closer to 30 minutes. And then I found that it's helped. It ended up being um, more effective to let people talk about what's going on for them in the beginning for longer, a little bit longer uh, just to get them comfortable to build rapport, and so I can get a good sense of whether or not um, it's something that is that I want to be handle and the, that I can handle. Um, the, the, so that's made them made the initial call kind of longer than I was was planning on doing it in the beginning. But it, but it's I think it's important so that both people feel, you know, I feel comfortable and they feel comfortable by the end of the call. And know what where to go from there, and that's uh, since I've increased the, the the length of the initial call, the number of people that retain me over the phone has gone up. So I think that there's definitely that's helped with that. In Terms of the kind of like the format and structure of that first call, I immediately I asked them to bring me up to speed on what's going on, and then I just let them talk for a while, and I think oh, maybe. 99% of the people have just gone straight into it and haven't needed me to ask questions to get them going. But if that happens, a couple people have been as comfortable, then it'll be more like a back and forth conversation in the beginning um, where I'm asking them questions. But almost everyone it will just go right into it um, and just start talking. And if they, you know, if it goes past maybe after. Five or ten, probably five minutes. If it's getting very off topic and and not, um, and I'm not getting information at all about what they actually need, then I'll kind of bring it, bring them back by asking questions that are related to the what I understand the issue to be. But usually, the information is helpful, even though it's not completely on topic. It's helpful for me to understand the bigger picture, and that goes on for about um, 20 minutes or so, and then I'll ask them some clarifying questions so really the first half of the call i think is spent on getting information about their case and and background information and then and
0: really being <laughs> and really being patient you know, yeah. like letting people chat and just share their story and i think you know that's that's very different and maybe why you know a lot of attorneys haven't been maybe success, Maybe they haven't been trying really, but have, we haven't had as many lawyers enrolling so many people right over the phone sight unseen because they don't necessarily take that time on the front end and then they bring them in the office. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because mm-hmm. if you have an office that's local and, and you don't have the travel time and so forth, then you know people feel really comfortable meeting people in person as well. But if you want to be able to you know, have the opportunity to have clients literally paying you and enrolling right over the phone, it seems like that's a very uh, important core component of that is Definitely. allowing them to, to really share
1: and Absolutely. get comfortable with you. Yeah, and I've had um, anyone, everyone that is actually hired retain me right after the call without meeting and even without having any plans of meeting either. All of those people have have actually um, like commented on that they feel really comfortable talking to me and that they are like thankful that I let them talk for so long and they're surprised that they were able to talk for that long and feel like they actually got something out of the call even though it was just a consultation and I'm not necessarily giving them legal advice either at that point they're literally just talk, you know they're just like venting about their issues and feeling like they're doing it um like with a purpose because they're going to get help to resolve the issue but, Um so I, that's huge and I I sometimes in the beginning of the call, I mean, I I know you can immediately tell like what kind of information is going to be helpful sort of, or at least relevant to the, what they're going to need you for. But a lot of times, like at least for, like I said before, at least five to 10 minutes of it, it's just them talking and I'm just allowing them to talk and it makes a huge difference.
0: Right. Okay. So, so that's that initial phase where you take, you know, time to listen, you might direct them a little bit if they start going off topic, but you know a good 15 20 minutes or so, you know at least half the call, they're just kind of sharing what's going on, what their concerns mm-hmm. are, the situation, whether what they're trying to accomplish and then and then from there what's what's kind of the next steps.
1: Well, there I kind of go one of two ways. So depending on what kind of issue if it's something that like has a very specific solution or a very clear solution um and it's very like more like black and white. Like I know for sure what needs to be done, but I kind of explained to them what that is. If it's something like a divorce where there's tons of things and it's just, and it's not a matter of like taking action to resolve one issue. Then I um, jump into explaining the types of services that I provide. So with that first, in the first scenario where there's like a specific way that, that the problem they're having needs to be handled. I kind of transition from them describing the, the issue to me explaining to them like based on this issue this is what would need to be done and then and then transition into the conversation about so um you know now you know what has to be done and and depending on how much what your budget is and how much you want to manage That process I just described and what needs to happen you can choose from these various options representation options
0: okay so you'll give them some specific feedback on okay based on what you've shared with me this is essentially what needs to be done right this is and and then the next phase is okay how are we going to go about doing that if you'd like me to assist you with that
1: right right exactly yeah
0: okay maybe you could just share you know how you explain and break down to the client generally Mm -hmm. speaking you say okay look you know, these these. this is exactly what I kind of need to see happen. Here's the different ways that I can help you. Can you just walk through how you've shared that? And then yeah. maybe towards the end of that piece, just talk about how you talk about whether they have the option. Do you want to come in the office?
1: Mm-hmm, do you want to mm-hmm. do it
0: over the phone? Just to shine some light on, you know, those options. And then whether they can choose to either hire you right then and there over the phone or if they want to come in and, and how you talk about that with them.
1: Sure. So... I'll give an example of someone who is wanting to enforce a custody order. So if that's what their issue is after they're they're telling me about when they got this order and how long it's been since the other parent has been, you know, breaking the order and not cooperating and how this problem has developed. So then I explain that um, you know, to if if you want to ask the court to, inter- to intervene and and enforce the order or get it make a change to the order cuz not working anymore we would need to file modification and there's lo- there's several forms that get filled out you request a hearing you have a hearing about a month later you organize the things that you want to present to the court you file some statements outlining what your reasons are for wanting to, to make this change and then go to court and so I, I like lay out what needs to be done and then right. I explained that um, you know, the way that I could help with that is in kind of one of two ways one I can be your uh, you can hire me um, for full representation where I handle the entire process from start to finish it's more like the traditional arrangement that you think of when you think of hiring an attorney you pay a larger amount up front that and then you kind of um, replenish that when it gets spent down, if it gets spent down and we're still not done. Or you can hire me to do what's called unbundled services, which means that you pay a, lower, a, a smaller amount up front, more focused on a specific aspect of what you need to do. And you have kind of a better sense of what it's going to cost overall, based on what we know is involved now. And then we kind of reassess when that's done. And if it's not, if there's like more that you want to do, you want to keep going and ask for something else, and we can reevaluate and figure out a different arrangement at that point. So, and then I then I explain within the unbundled service option the, the three levels, which is like in the example I gave about the custody modification. Um,
0: okay, so if I ask, so so what are the unbundled options? So you, you may always say four representation is this cost, and then if I said, well, what are the unbundled options? Maybe you could just explain that to me.
1: Yeah, so um, the first kind of least expensive option is to provide coaching, about two and a half hours of, of some sort of coaching with you, either on the phone or in person, and help you navigate the process. So I would... Explain what needs to be done. I'd answer questions you have. I'd, I'd direct you to the forms you need to fill out and answer questions about those. And then depending on how much time we spend on that, I, there may even be time for me to actually look at the doc, the forms and the documents that you, um, are going to file, give you feedback before you file them and, and help you get ready to actually bring the documents to court file. Um, and that's around, that starts at around $500 and covers two and a half hours of my time. And then the next level up from that is coaching, but for more time and me preparing all the documents for you. And so I would help you navigate the process and answer questions, but instead of me just directing uniforms, I'd actually get information from you and then prepare them for you. And then you would file them on your own. Uh, so you're still self represented but you're not doing the the document preparation yourself. And then the third level is kind of the highest level within the unbundled services option and that's closer to 1000 it starts at 1000 and goes up to about 1500 and that's where I actually appear for you in court for a specific hearing on a certain issue as well as preparing documents for you, helping you navigate the process, answering questions and um, everything else that's included in the, the the options that I just mentioned. So they kind of gradually increase. You know, my assistance increases at each of those three levels with the price increasing.
0: Okay, so at that point you can ask him what what do you think is is best fit for you, and then. Yeah. And then how do you and then how do you and then they make a kind of selection, let's say they chose the middle ground. Well, yeah, I mean it seems like I'd like to get some help with the preparation of the paperwork and have you take a look at things and, and draft that up because I'm not so comfortable with the argument or so forth. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, great. And then maybe you can just yeah. you know walk them through how you enroll them from sure. there. Whether it would be over the phone or over the office and the options you give them from that point.
1: Sure. Yeah, so usually instead of saying like which price point they want or that they are comfortable with, they'll say which level of representation they want. Like they'll say yeah, I definitely want someone in court with me, or I definitely want someone doing my documents. So then I'll say, okay, so does seven fifty to a thousand or does a thousand to fifteen hundred sound manageable to you? What is your budget for for getting a, an attorney for still getting some kind of legal assistance to deal with this issue? And then sometimes they'll just say, Yeah, I can do that amount. And sometimes we will say well, you know, I I don't know, I I can't really. I'm not sure I could afford a thousand. I could probably do more like 500. So, if there's an issue around the price, and then I talk with them about whether or not they want to. Um, we kind of explore again what the representation options are and talk about whether maybe they are gonna, whether they want to start with something smaller and then and then increase it as we go so that they don't have to just do like all or nothing, you know, they can, they can start small and then we can add to it. Um, but the next step is then to like, to, to, I asked them, um, okay, so are you, is this something that you want to get going on immediately or do you feel like you want time to think about it and, and, check in again when you're ready to move forward. And almost everyone says that they want to do it. And if we've gone to that point in the conversation and we're talking about the price and everything, then most people are like wanting to do it. They want to start talking about the issue right then and want to start talking about what we're going to do immediately. So um I've when they when they kind of give me a sense of how ready they are to get going, then I'll I'll say, okay, well I can you know, if you're, if you want to get started immediately, I could, one option is to actually um, work out a retainer agreement. Now I can email it to you to sign and you could even pay online um, with a credit card. And then we could, we could schedule another phone call to get going on whatever it is that I'm going to help them with. Uh, or if you feel more comfortable meeting in person, we can set a, a, uh, our next appointment, and I will bring a retainer agreement with me so that we can get it signed and and get things going from there. So that's kind of how I um, explain what the next step is.
0: Yeah, and since you've been offering that those two options, where you can just send the retainer agreement right now, I'll send it to you online, then you have you know some kind of a link mm-hmm. that's set up through LawPay, right? Mm-hmm,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and so they can just like make that payment right then and there, right? And then and then, do you and if they take that option, you just schedule the next call either later that day or the following day?
1: Yeah. So, what I've been doing, I've been trying to schedule the call, the next call, like before we get off the phone uh, from the first call, because I have found that if I don't and I just schedule and we just plan to talk again and I'm supposed to email them an agreement with a payment link, then some people kind of drop off from there. But if we have our next appointment scheduled, then it feels like we've started working on the case. So, and if, and even if they don't pay immediately and everyone gets the, almost everyone sends back the the, um, signed retainer agreement pretty quickly, but then, you know, the payment, actually making the payment takes a little while. And it seems like it happens more quickly if you've got the next meeting and first step figured out.
0: Right. Yeah, and so since you've been implementing those two options, where you you know, can either do it over the phone, send them a payment link, get them started right then, or come in the office. You 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 said you know I mean, originally it was maybe half and half, but then you realized you could start offering that option. Um, uh, how many of the folks have actually just been going? Hey, let's just do it over the phone, and we'll get started there, and then you know, see you in court if we, if we need to from there.
1: Yeah. So I since I started doing that, um, I would say about. of people want to just do it over the phone. Right. And it's increasing now that it's happening more now that I'm, I'm working in a second County that's further away from where I am. Although that might change when I, I still need to find a a virtual office over there. So that might change things, but it's definitely, uh, it's about, I would say it's about 60% of people want to just do it over the phone because of work scheduling, you know, that kind of thing where they just don't want to have to, especially once we start talking about when our next meeting is going to be, like even people, some people who have said they wanted to meet in person when we actually try to schedule it, then they change their mind and they're like, well, actually, why don't we just do it on the phone? And if we end up meeting to meet in person, we can do that, figure it out then.
0: Right. And then from your standpoint, I mean, that's got to be really nice to be able to, you know, if you don't have to go over to concert or, or Alameda, I mean, I mean, if you're working with them by the phone, you can potentially have you done some of the calls from home? I mean, like it doesn't seem at that point you really you really can uh, can work from anywhere and just work with folks hour by hour in that sense.
1: Yeah. So I my I'm based my office is in my home. So if I can get when I am working with people completely over the phone, it's the most convenient option because I'm at home and then I can do, you know, I can work on other stuff immediately before and immediately after there's no commute time. So it's great. And it's, and it's also great for them. The people that do that are people, you know, any, no one that is like hesitant about, or or, no one who is concerned about not having met me in person agrees to do it, doing it on the phone. I've found that the people that do that are, have like no concerns whatsoever about not meeting someone in person. And it's way more important for them for it to be convenient.
0: Wow, that's just really incredible, you know. So I mean, I mean, you must be feeling pretty, pretty amazing that you, that in today's age with the internet and just the way everything's evolved. That you know, like, you and, and even our company at times will work from home as well, and it's just you can basically do pra- being, you know, providing great service and practice of law, but doing it potentially in your underwear, yeah. or, you know, yeah. commuting to your office in your house. I mean, no, it's been great. It's, uh, it's, it's so beautiful. great,
1: yeah. It's really good, and and I think that. um a big part of it is that by that point, when we're talking about that, how they want to move forward, they're really comfortable with me then. They feel like I've really listened to them. If I've told them kind of what needs to happen in their case, then they even feel like they've, I've started giving them like basic level advice and they feel like they're going to get something out of this. And so they're even more likely to just want to start.
0: Right. Wow, well, this has been fantastic, Zoe. I, I really appreciate you sharing kind of how this this transition has been for you and the way you've been working with the folks. Uh, the, you know, the virtual offices, working with them over the phone, the way you have taken the time you do on each call, and you know how people were responding so well. It's it's great feedback. Uh, we certainly couldn't be happier with the way things have gone so far. We couldn't be happier with you know, that you've you know had such a great start, and uh, just really appreciate you taking the time to to share so openly about how this has gone for you and and uh, we're certainly you know, here and going to continue to support you in any way you can to continue to help you make that transition from from uh you know new practice to to thriving solo mm-hmm. attorney.
1: Great, great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You no, know, I'm happy to share and it's been great so far. So I'm looking forward to continuing.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Zoe, thanks again for all your time today and, and sharing. And for everyone else that's been participating and listening to the podcast, we certainly appreciate your participation. If there's you know, lawyers out there you think could benefit from any of these shows or think could be helpful, please share it with them. If you have any feedback or would like to leave us a review, uh, go over to iTunes and leave one there because we certainly would read every single review and really appreciate your feedback in the way that it's uh, helped your practice if it has. And with that, we thank you so much for your for joining in on the call and we will see you all on the next episode. Thank Thanks you so much. For more information about how our lead generation services can help you grow your practice, visit our website at www.unbundledattorney.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to subscribe so you get each new episode as soon as it's available and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Once again, thanks for listening.